Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Converted Mets fan Sam Maxwell, and we are here with a very special A Metsine podcast, an episode I like to refer to as the New Orleans funeral for the Wilpon era. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to welcome uh, my, my co- one of my co conspirators, and that is uh, Mr. Michael Colon, who is one of the first per- people I called. And uh, what did you say when I called you, Mike? Woo-hoo! I believe that was my first <laughs> exactly. word. Exactly. That, that, was, that was. Happy day. Um, and uh, we're very also happy to invite and, and welcome to our show uh, uh, people who were supposed to join us this weekend, but things completely got so turned around today that we're like, yo, you want to you wanna, uh, jump the gun and jump on tonight? And that is the Mets Fans United crew of Mark and Corey, and we're going to start with you, Mark, first. Welcome to a Metsian podcast. Hello. Good evening. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Thank having... you for joining us. And, and, and Corey, please, thank you for joining us on a Metsian podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, whoever wants to take the, the shameless plug here, before we get started on all of this craziness, please give us, as we like to call it on this podcast, your shameless plug. Mark, Corey, whoever wants to take the, the, uh, the cards on that one. Um, sure. Is, um, well, you know, for all these years, I've been, uh, been very confused about why the Mets have always had their players hurt so much. So my shameless plug is I recently had ACL surgery, and spear physical therapy has made me feel like a new man. So my cheap plug is the spear physical therapy, and the Mets should use them because they really got to keep their players healthy. <laughs> there you go. That's a good. John that's a good shameless there, plug. By the way, and there's a great therapist. So that's my cheap uh, plug of the uh, day. And this was Mark, right? Mark, yes. Yes, Mark. Corey, do you have anything or, to add? No more <laughs> exactly. uh, I'm, 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 just, I'm still a little bit uh, speechless about the whole thing. I mean, I don't know what to think about the Wilpon selling. I mean, I'm so anxious to hear, uh, you know, what's to come. But, I mean, as of right now, I'm, I'm pretty much, I guess, thrilled would be the word. 
I think we're all thrilled. Um, yeah, you know, I was total shock. <laughs> I was frolicking through Times Square, as Mike can attest. Like I called them, and I was just like, I, I, it was like West Side Story without the knife fight. Like I was just, <laughs> I was frolicking. Um, so. <laughs> Like the way that I want to start this entire thing for all all our listeners out there is kind of documenting the day as information for me came uh, I came privy to it and I feel like I got to start with the Braves signing Cole Hamels because that feels like the proper place to start here. Uh, my my friend who lives in Philly, who is going to be a player in this entire uh, arc that I'm about to unfold for you, uh, tweeted me. He said, the brave signed Hamill, frowny face, breaks my heart. And I said, oh, Mets Twitter is probably going off right now. Little did I know. Um, and then I, I think at this point when I was tweeting again, um, not only – did it have to not just do with the Braves, but well, you know, it probably did just cause like, um, and to give a, a little shout out, uh, Sam underscore Brown, both with two A's and Sam and two N's and Brown said, any move the Mets make now will be irrelevant in comparison to all the off season moves the Braves have made. I, uh, he, uh, sh- excuse me. She was referring to Jeff Hassan. Uh, talking about left-hander Cole Hamels. And mm-hmm. uh, I tweeted, I quoted her tweet and said, it's so dumb. Year after year, it's just so, so dumb. At which point, um, basically, I tweeted out, the Wilpons are constantly crushing any momentum this franchise has produced over the course of their run as sole owners. And that, that, that was basically like, like I, I tweeted, come and get us. And I showed Morpheus kind of doing that little uh, thing, you know, hand thing that he does in, in Matrix. And at that point, like I'm going back and forth with people, but it's really just like most people, like and then we're hearing about Rick Porcello. And I said, if Rick Porcello signs with the Mets, I can't see how we don't get the mediocre to bad Porcello as opposed to the one who won an award. I'm, I'm currently very, you know, just cynical about the New York Mets. Um, So Mm -hmm. now I'm going to go over to my uh, Philly fan friend, who then at some point, once he found uh, word of the Wheeler signing, uh, for one thing, just to finish, he said Philly is not happy about the Cole signing. Um, and I responded, and this is before the signing in the, uh, of Wheeler. In the meantime, you might trigger, quote, Mets Twitter by signing Wheeler. And then at 3.12, as the news came in, I said, yep. So he asked me, my Philly fan friend, he said, you like Wheeler? Did we just do good or fuck up? Five for 118. He's very injury prone. To which I said, he hasn't been since getting back from Tommy John. He has blossomed, still can have bouts of inconsistency, but he's sick at his best. Then he says to me, how do you, at uh, 4.58 p.m. tonight, and at which point he says, he says this to me while I'm watching Don Rickles perform on the Dick Cavett show. And that's very important considering it's 4.58 p.m. It's been about a half hour 
since the Wilpon news has come out, but I have yet to check Twitter. So he asked me, how do you as a Mets fan feel? And I say, I feel they continue to let the, to let the rest of the division year after year make them look like absolute fools the way they conduct the business of running a baseball organization in New York City. And a signing like yours is absolutely terrible optics considering he's basically a homegrown player, and these are the type of guys that you really should be locking up long-term for consistency. I don't think Rick Porcello is a proper replacement because all I can think of as a Met cynic is that he's going to be the mediocre to bad Rick Porcello as opposed to the Cy Young winner. Now, if you're selling me on some of the other guys out there like Strasburg, and Cole, that's a different story. I think in terms of for you, I think you not only scooped up the manager most Mets fans wanted, and it makes total sense considering the Bryce Harper factor and that Joe's experience balancing egos, but then you scooped up a player who has shown flashes of brilliance since coming over for Carlos Beltran. You guys missed the playoffs and have done a couple of good moves, and I include Joe Girardi on that one. We missed the playoffs and have done literally absolutely nothing so far, while everybody else in the division, including the Marlins, has. At which point I tweeted the uh, gif. I'm sorry, I, I texted him the gif of that dog sitting in fire saying, this is fine, referencing the Wilpons year after year. He texted, he texted me back thoughtful. At which point I went back to Twitter saying to myself, I'm going to tweet this exchange because this is important. And then I saw something that said the incompetent, cheap, scandalous morons are selling the team. We're finally going to eventually be free of the Wilpons. And I said, wait, what is this? And to, to give you, Corey, uh, some, some uh, uh, credence on this one, uh, let's fucking go Mets is what I was responding to. And then I finally got privy to all the information as to what was going on. And here we are. Mike. Awesome. Mike, where are you on this? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm stuck. I, I have so many you know, salt bubbles bursting over my head right now. All right, let's keep it with our, our competitors. You know, they're running circles around us. Philly signed Wheeler. They signed a new manager, a competent manager, uh, a manager with conviction. Uh, the Braves have been busy uh, throughout the early portion of the off season. Uh, you know, and, and the Mets to date have signed uh, one relief pitcher, uh, Nobody of real particular outstanding, you know, notoriety. So, uh, yeah, and the status quo, I don't think much is going to change this season, next season. Uh, obviously, you know, we're going to get into the greater subject, but uh, money changes everything. And in this instance, nothing changes because uh, it's still about money. Uh, so where we go, I, you know, I, I couldn't say because everything we've done, you know, I keep on saying we, 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 the Mets have done uh, has been in lieu of money. 
you know, uh, Birdie was forced to be ultra creative, and we see where that's gotten us. Uh, so they continue to play the three-card Monty. You know, let's not forget that uh, DeGrom's contract, the big money isn't due to kick in until Cespedes' contract expires. Uh, so, again, I'll call it the three-card Monty. So, I, you know, I have no expectations, and you know what I say, Sam. You can't be disappointed with what you do not expect. Now, you're talking to somebody who remembers the day that Joan Payson passed away, you know, and I remember uh, her daughter taking over the team and and Donald Grant and Will Pond and Doubleday coming on the scene and Will Pond taking over this team uh, that leads us to today. So, you know, obviously that's the overwhelming story today. Uh, but as far as business, it's going to be business as usual for now. Yeah, I have to say I agree with you. Um, Mark, we're going to start with you over on Mets Fans United. You guys started this uh, mm-hmm. this, this movement, if you will, um, and, and, and you got some friction from the cynics out there. You know, I'm not going to name names, but people kind of gave you a little crap in terms of quote-unquote boycott. Um, so do you feel as if the fervor finally got to them and like things is as if like, like the advertisement near city field, do you think that despite some fans mocking you guys, it actually worked? You know, that's a great question Um, is, you know, you know, the first thing is we got a lot of, crap from a lot of people uh, because the message I think was very misconstrued. The, a lot of people thought that the message was to boycott. Now listen, we're all fans. We all celebrate. We all shed tears in different ways. Okay. Um, it's not about necessarily telling people what to do. If people want to boycott, boycott. If people don't, don't do, you know, the message really was more of do what you can do. Number one, but two, it's more about a fan union. Um, you know, you could spend as much money as you want. That's great. But if you don't spend it wisely and you're incompetent, you don't run an organization from top to bottom, well, that then not only entails signing the right players, sure, but developing players, having the right, you know, having the right scouts, uh, developing uh, your international scouting, putting money into the entire organization. Um, not to mention an, a analytic department that didn't exist with the Mets for years, then it doesn't really matter. You have to build a proper organization. And the message is that we really didn't care who the owners were or are. We want competence. We want a better ran organization. And we want owners that seem to care. And the Wilpon just never seemed to care. And we want to have a similar style to what different soccer teams have overseas. That is really what the message was all about. Not telling fans to boycott, not telling fans how to act, but look, if people want to boycott, boycott. If you don't, don't. That's really what the message was, and I think it was really misconstrued. That's, that's well said. And, um, you know, uh, like Corey, it, 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 it's, it's not necessarily boycott. You know, it's like it's a hard thing to do to boycott of a sports franchise, you know? Um, but but that, that right, right there, that does make a lot of sense. It's just about competency. And, you know, it, it was so clear that you're looking out there with teams with, with lower budgets than the Mets 
And even when the Mets had the Madoff money, they weren't spending it wisely. They weren't the G, like the combination of whatever the operating officer and the GM were doing didn't seem to get them anywhere. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you have a similar mindset with a much more stricken budget. It, it's all about operation. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just they, they it's on it's not a sustainable business model at all. I mean, that's why they can never sustain success. They always decline. You know, they have a good season. Let's use oh, I mean, 06, 07, they had injuries and stuff, but you know, then a major collapse at the end of the year. So you I mean, if you look at every every year they've been good, a good team, a good ball club. The next year is just they just they just decline, you know, year after year. That's that's what it comes down to. So basically, they put all their eggs in one basket. They try to get lucky and go for it. Sometimes they do once a decade, and then and then from there it's crap. Where most competent organizations are gonna are gonna have a somewhat of a dynasty and at least at least be com- competitive for years to come. You know what I mean? And back to what Mark was saying, I just, uh, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, I think it got misconstrued. A lot of fans want to boycott, and they think that's that was the answer for the whole thing. And, I mean, I I agree to an extent, but I also am realistic in the fact that I, I honestly don't think that would work, in, especially in New York. I mean, you have corporations first of all i mean that's a whole separate issue buying out entire sections and then you have fans that just like baseball and want to go to games and how can you tell somebody they can't go to a game you know what i mean they could say yeah sure we won't go and i mean how are you going to stop people from going to baseball games you know what i mean i just want to add that I was just no, going to say, I was just gonna say plastic no, go ahead. Sorry. No, go, go right ahead, Sam. No, I was just going to say that some of the most fun games I've ever been to, the, the stadium wasn't completely filled. And, and you know, you were, it's, it's just like 2009 is my least favorite year. But I remember, like, the second to last City Field game of the year. You know, like that, that like I have memories from that stuff. Even even if even at its worst, I have memories of it. Um, I I believe I know who we have here uh, on hold, but I'm going to bring them on with uh, no knowledge necessarily. Uh, hello, you are here on the Metzian podcast. We got uh, a six three one who's been on hold for twelve minutes. Hello. Is this is this LA Mike? Yes, it is. LA Mike, you're very muffled. Okay, let me try calling back from my friend's phone. All right, we'll talk to you in a second. Well, we got LA uh, Mike, and uh, for those of you who are not privy to, uh, for those not playing the home game, um, LA Mike. Uh, has been calling in since our Rising Apple report days, and um, it's uh, uh, he he will certainly have an opinion about the the Wilp on selling. But to loop back to, to before we get uh, Ally Mike involved in, in all of this, and and we'll we'll start with you, Corey, uh, having just left off. Mm-hmm. Steve, Steve Cohen 
there's obviously been some things said. I haven't completely dove into uh, exactly what all the details are uh, as of now, but um, I know he's had some legal issues, but he's never been indicted, and he has $9.2 billion, or at least that's his net worth. So uh, when you hear this, and, and, and like, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into politics, but obviously it's a very, um, it's a very polarizing thing these days. And the Cubs mm-hmm. won a World Series from somebody who's a big Trump supporter, uh, uh, having bought them from the Tribune. So is this the type of thing where it doesn't matter or do people have reasons to be concerned? I I think that as long as he and I think he's that's business comes first with him. I don't think he wants to meddle in in the on field decisions or anything crazy. So basically, right now we have Jeff Wilpon. Okay, I think that is our big Achilles heel because he wants to be involved in everything, and he is involved in everything. Mm-hmm. And if you if you hire the right guys, not your son, you know that that you you love and you're going to be you're definitely going to be um you know uh you're going to be um what the, what, you're just going to want you're you're going to you're not going to you're not going to tell him when he's wrong okay so basically you know he's going to and he's going to do whatever he wants i mean we've seen it year after year where mishandling injuries from this and He's even taken responsibility a couple of years, and then other times he'll scapegoat other guys, you know, managers, trainers, whoever he can. I think Jeff Wilpon will be the difference. And I think that um, politics aside, I think that uh, Cohen will hire the appropriate people to run the team. And I don't think that we're going to have to worry about a Jeff Wilpon type because if that does happen – he gets fired. He doesn't. He's not the. He's not the owner's son. So he he gets fired if he decides he's going to meddle, and cause problems on the field. So, I think that's a huge difference. Um, not to mention, I mean, this guy. He, he from what I read. I mean, I know that he's got some, some financial and some legal issues. But as far as um, I mean, he seems like you know he he grew up a Mets fan. It seems like he wants to invest in the team wisely. It seems like he wants to spend like a New York team in a big market. And, I mean, that's really what we're looking for, just competence. That's it, just competence. You know, you nailed it about Jeff Wilpon, and I think this is where we're going to round it out with uh, with that. Like, I, I, you know, we want to we, – we should give a good positive – you know, and, and, and also uh, unbiased look into who Steve Cohen is because it's, it's a good thing to know as a fan. But, man, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right about Jeff Wilpon. And, and I, uh, God, I can't wait to get around to you, uh, Mr. Mike LeColon, but we're going to go to L.I. Mike first because he's back. Um, welcome, L.I. Mike. Hey, how you doing? So... You know, go wherever you want with this. Well, uh, I was sitting in English class, and I got the notification about the Mets, about the Wilpon still on the team. I may or may not have screamed out loud from happiness. 
And then I looked up some research on this guy. Yeah, he's had some personal and legal issues in the past, but I'm willing to look past that if this guy has money. He has a net value of 14 point something billion, which would make him the richest owner in the MLB. So we could actually spend money. Right now, the Wilpons are in debt. They spent I don't know how much money in the Islanders Arena, and they don't even have the full amount of money to continue mm-hmm. for that building project I just read. So that's why we can't spend any money right now. If I can get a, uh owner with money in here and we can go out and buy, not buy, but uh, get contracts of the top players like with Strasburg, you know, it's not happening, stuff like that, I will take that for a legal issue in the past that he wasn't indicted for. Mike, is Brody yeah. better? Is Brody better with Always. a better owner? Yes, 100%. He would not have made that stupid trade they give away Kellenic last year. Mike, what do you – I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Mike LeCon, Long Long Island Mike, you're always referred to as Long Island Mike. When I say Mike, it's not Long Island Mike. (laughs) (laughs) BK Mike. BK Mike. What's my question, sir? Do you think Brody Von Wagenen is a better owner with somebody who has the purse strings opened? I'm I'm sorry. You know what I meant. A better GM. Uh, The – yeah, the game plan obviously changes because now you're different – now you're dealing with a different set of tools. So, uh, you know, you work with what you have, and the Wolfhounds don't have much. So, like I say, he's just a, a different face to the same uh, operation. He's just delivering it in a different manner, uh, a more young, energetic manner than, per se, Sandy Alderson, who's more methodical, old-school Harvard, you know, Marine approach, probably – uh, the Will Punch store was wearing thin with the fan base, and they needed to see change, radical change. And that's exactly what Brody brought in. Uh, you know, he, he, he talks a good game uh, in the offseason, at least, as you know, would be found during uh, the regular season. Uh, but he definitely changed uh, something. <laughs> he definitely changed something. And, you know, let's not discount their improvement in the season. Uh, they won. Uh, what, 86 games? <laughs> First 500 record in, you know, what, three seasons? Uh, so, you know, change brought about at least that much, and, and we know, at least we know the reasons why the season ended the way it did, and if they just can reconcile that with a little, more, a little bit more oomph from the front office, which we're all begging for, uh, yeah, things would make a major difference. Uh but somehow this five-year leash that the Wilpons want to be tethered to for the next five years in, 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 as part of this transaction, uh, you know, I think that's a stipulation that they have to be involved because of money matters. It, I, you know, Sam, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm forced to go into this mm. because this do it, much do it. is fact. Go down this the rabbit much, hole, sir. Go down the rabbit this, hole. This much, well, you know, I, I just mentioned the five-year tether. You know, when these guys started way back when, when Linda DeRolay was selling the team, Fred was home and he got this crazy idea. Hey, hey, Saul, let's put in a bid and, and, and buy the Mets. And they wound up, you know, agreeing on a purchase price of $21 million, which was the highest being paid for a major league club, 
but the two of them individually only put up 600 some odd thousand each as the down payment. They still needed somebody to foot upwards of 80% of the team, and that turned out to be Nelson Doubleday, but what he didn't know, because he didn't read a fine print, was that the Wilpons would be managing partners, and that Doubleday would have to stay in the background in that regard until they purchased the team from uh, 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 Doubleday Corp that they formed and became 50-50 partners. But when the owners colluded to have Faye Vincent ousted from baseball as commissioner and Doubleday was against it, that's when he found out that Wilpon had right to first refusal. That Doubleday was forced to go to Wilpon and offer him first dibs on the team. That, that infuriated him. And potentially that's the poison that started circulating through their relationship from their from that point forward. And then they famously famously fought over money. Okay? We all know that Piazza, Doubleday wanted him, the business acumen of this operation, Doubleday wanted to sign him, Wilpon did not. They fought over Chase Stadium. Wilpon wanted to build a new stadium. Doubleday Double Day said, we can't afford it, let's renovate Shea. You know, right or wrong, whomever, what side of the fence you're on, that's what they fought over, and ultimately that's why they divorced. In order to come up with the money to pay for Doubleday's portion or share of his team in 2002, it's well stated in the New York Times and in the, in the tabloids and Forbes that, Double, uh, that Wilpon had to invest money into Madoff accounts in order to facilitate that payment to Doubleday. Let's fast mm-hmm. forward. Ugh. You know, so Doubleday learned things about that relationship and partnership the hard way. Just like this five-year tethering, you know, and transaction over to Steve Cohen, you know, comes with stipulations. It's never easy with these guys. Now, here's the thing. In 2015, they renegotiated the, the, the final six to $700,000 of debt still stemming from Madoff. That was in 2015 for five years. Technically, four years down, one year to go. But there's every reason to believe that they've only been paying down the interest and the banks will let that go for as long as they know that they have the Mets and SNY in reserve to come up with all that money should things boil down to that. So banks will let that go, and they can easily just pay off the interest as they go with owing all that money, not to mention the debt from City Field. Ugh. So here we are. If he's only been paying down the interest, that means they're still massively in debt. They sold shares of the team in 2012 to pay off immediate debt and renegotiate long-term debt. Steve Cohen has already been a minority partner since then, and he tried coming up. Well, he didn't try coming up. He offered to become 49% owner then. The negotiations never went that far. He nevertheless bought a minority stake then. He's been minority partner since then. So he was the natural choice in this whole thing. 
at the same time in 2012, he was also bidding for the Dodgers. So I'm sure Major League Baseball already vetted him. Was he in trouble? Yeah, he got caught for inside the You know what? He settled in excess of $1 billion Mm -hmm. for inside the trading uh, activities related to the Madoff scandal, I think. Mm -hmm. On that, I I could be correct. No, I don't think it was. But he paid and settled that. And that is the legal trouble that people like to bring up. And, yeah, he's he's a very rich man. And you know what? Let the legal, uh, uh, let legal and law and business take care of that, and and run amok wherever it may. But if everything is copacetic, I'd love nothing more for him to take over. Now back to these Wilpons. You know, last year, March. Uh, no, excuse me, this year, March 2019. Forbes, City Field profits fall 44 percent. That means whatever profits they made this year were still troubled and cancered by their 44% decline in revenue from the year prior. Attendance is still down, although up from last year, attendance is still down from 2015. My whole point is this has finally come to pass. You know, they've played the charade long enough and they can no longer avoid their liabilities. They have nowhere else to go. They have no more recourse. And I believe it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, it might have been you, Long Island Mike, they brought up the Staten Island, uh, excuse me, my apologize, the Islanders' new arena in Belmont Park. There's three partners involved in that arena arena development. Ledecky, Mm -hmm. another partner, and Sterling Equities. And as of November, a Forbes report says that the Wilpons, or excuse me, Sterling Equities, has still yet to come up with their third towards development of that arena. So that's it. The, the, the shit has hit the fan, and they have no choice but to sell because, again, no recourse. So that's why I, think I that's don't a really think, good point. I don't think unless... Steve Cohen is willing to take a hit early out of his own pocket like George Steinbrenner used to do in order to mm-hmm. improve the team through, you know, raising, you know, raising spending money, raising salary. Unless he's willing to do that, they're going to continue along this path that Brody set, which was, A, reorganizing the entire uh, scouting and front front office developmental department with Mr. Lair and whatnot, and I think he's made that clear delineation between who he's drafting and who Sandy drafted, and and you know the future might hold something else. In the immediate few years to come, I think we're going to see business as usual, a little bit of three card Monty, a little bit of massaging and more money, but definitely you know, a win-now mentality, and then we'll see once these T's are crossed and the I's are dotted where this goes. But I think that the Wilpon must remain tethered to this team because of all the outstanding liabilities that they still maintain on the books that are connected to SNY and the New York Mets themselves if Steve Cohen isn't 
willing to take upon take those liabilities liabilities upon himself. The end. So before I bring the rest of you back on, um, I feel like I need to quote uh, Mr. Mike Puma from the New York Post in his uh, write-up about this um, because there's some sources mentioned that I just think is, is proper to bring into context for the conversation we're having. Um, so I'm going to start from here. A person with knowledge of the impending team said Dale to Cohen indicated it's likely the Sterling Partners will continue to control S&Y, the regional sports network that has become a cash cow for the owners. Fred Wilpon turned 83 last month, and the majority sale is fueled by a desire to plan his estate, according to a source. Cohen, a hedge fund investor who pleaded guilty to insider trading in 2013, has an estate net worth of $13.6 billion, according to Forbes. Multiple sources indicated a rift between Katz, who is Fred Wilpon's brother-in-law, and Jeff Wilpon left the family uncomfortable with the idea of the younger Wilpon assuming control of the club once Fred Wilpon is no longer involved. Among the possibilities that were discussed, the source said, was turning over the club to Fred Wilpon's wife, Judy, before it it was decided to negotiate with the 63-year-old Cohen, a Mets fan who grew up on Long Island. Bloomberg uh, reported Cohen's stake in the club could be as much as 80% with a club valuation at a baseball record $2.6 billion. A friend of Cohen's said the the billionaire's passion for the team is augmented by his wife and father-in-law, both of whom are hardcore fans of the Mets. And the friend indicated Cohen won't hesitate to spend money on players. He would play the game at the highest level without a doubt, Cohen's friend said. It would be good for the Mets fan. But it's unclear whether Cohen's cash infusion would come immediately or whether he would wait until he's officially in control of the club. It's also possible there could be a gradual infusion of dollars by Cohen. So, uh, let's go Sam, to... Let's, Sam, let's, hold, yes. Sam, I apologize. There's only one more thing I'd like to add to what I was saying, and I think this is important. This is the reason to believe why they've only been paying down the interest. Because two years ago, Fred Wilpon attempted a buyback, and he was looking for a team of valuation of $2.3 billion. And this is according to Forbes. What he received was an evaluation of $1.6 billion. Do the math, and that more or less equals his outstanding principle. That's all I wanted to add. It's a proper thing to add. Uh, let's go to Corey first. Well, I, um, it's the thing I, I, I'm kind of unclear about. Uh, my buddy Jeff on Twitter, I, for, I, I forget his handle, but um, I think it's Giants Professor or something like that. He brought yeah. up a good point. Um, he was saying that, you know, they're going to – this five-year gap, okay, what is stopping the Wilpons from just using the Mets as a cash cow, not going for anything, I mean, even worse than before, where, you know, they're going to spend nothing and try to just make as much money as they possibly can in these five years and then be like, here you go, you know, and start fresh. So basically they would tear down the whole thing, essentially, you know? Well, the precedent was already set with the Dodgers, with Frank McCourt, 
when he used the Dodgers yeah. as his personal piggy bank. So I don't think right. that's going to fly. Right. So I mean, that's like, well, you know, and then but he's got Manfred in his back pocket. That's the only problem, you know. He's yeah, he's the uh, still, you know. Ellig still forced McCourt to to sell because he just he did just that. He used the Dodgers as his personal piggy uh, piggy bank, whereas <clears throat> Fred Wilpon has never done any such. Uh, and has never conducted right, any right. such proprieties. He's actually done can I, nothing can I wrong chime in? except bad at running an organization. Let me chime in real quick that um, yeah, Forbes, Forbes, Forbes does have an article out already uh, that was released at 6.44 p.m. by Mike Ozanian. Uh, Traffic cop at the intersection of money and sports is what it says. Um the, the, it, it, the headline says why Steve Cohen, not Will Pons, will likely run the New York Mets immediately. And I don't want to read anything from here because I haven't read the article yet, but uh, just wanted to throw that out there that there are some people who are saying that Steve Cohen will run the New York the Mets immediately. Immediately, right. Um, but yeah. anyway, uh, uh, we were – go ahead, Mark. Let's, uh, or, or whoever wanted to finish first, I'm sorry. Okay. I was just going to well, say, I mean, I, I just think that we, and that's what we have to do. I mean, we have to wait it out and see what's going to happen because as of right now, to me, it doesn't really make sense that they're going to hold their positions as, as a, you know, owner and COO, and he's just going to, what, hang back and pay them and watch them ruin his team in five years? <laughs> I don't see that happening, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't see how that would be um, – for him, for Colin, I don't see how that would be acceptable in any way, why he would do that deal, you know? Well, I heard on the Michael K. show today that over the next five years, yes, they would remain in office in their present capacity, and that Mr. Cohen would stay on as CEO of his present company, and that Cohen's family company, you know, and I, I can't name the name is the, the names of his companies just aren't coming to me right now, but that his family's company will be in the uh, Mets working capacity as incoming owners. So he's kind of be he's, it seems to be it's shaping up where he's going to be quite hands off in in the in the next few years to come. So is he you know, essentially just going to be a piggy bank for uh, for the Wilpons in the meantime? Uh, that, that, that's that the thing. Like, not... If you're talking about it being a piggy bank, if the Wilpons wanted it to be a piggy bank, wouldn't it be better if Cohen was putting money into that piggy bank? Yeah, definitely. I'm just I'm just wondering. I mean, for, on his with from his standpoint, I don't. I mean, I guess I guess he's filthy rich, so I guess that's why he would do that and to keep the team afloat until he takes full control. He's um, already, but, I mean, he's already so, he's already been operating under these circumstances somewhat as a minority owner since 2012. Right, right. right. So, so here's my question, um, and and I think I botched a little bit of the the uh, uh, who was speaking between Mark and Corey, so. Mark, did you have another point to make? Was I correct? That, yeah, there's that, – okay. Uh, there's two points that I really want to make um, that I think need to be said. Um, number one, um, so I tend to know a couple of things given what I do for a, a living um, when it comes to the financial world. 
Okay. Um, here's a hedge fund, Stephen Cohen. And so in estate planning, one of the things that you mentioned is estate planning. He wants to do some more philanthropy work um, as well because you can then gift money out of your estate. Uh, like when you do that without any types of exclusions um, where there is a lifetime gifting that occurs amongst different people. So in New York State, and I, and I don't know about the financials. None of us really know because none of us have seen the books. So we can speculate into like how it's going home, but to actually provide a fact is in New York State, when you're taking money out of your name and the Mets and storing equities, it's in a business, but there's still ownership in the business by the Wilpons. There's a five-year look back in order to get money out, out of your estate. Okay? So the five years happens to coincide with the five years that the Wilpons will be hands-on. I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I'm not an estate planning attorney. I don't, I'm not an expert with estate planning, but there's a five-year look back to get assets out of your name. So I think that could have something to do with why he's staying on for five years because he wants to be able to maximize what his estate is. So from a financial planning perspective and from a perspective of wanting to really you know, like make sure that your name and your legacy is important to you, the five years happens to be a very important number from a planning perspective, okay? So I think it's a very big thing. So I don't – so that's number one, okay? So I think that could be a big part of why they're doing it. Number two is, you know, it's great, and, Mike, I appreciate, like, what you said, but you know what? Steve Cohen's coming on board. Our team hasn't had any time period where we've had a long, prolonged time period of being good, okay? 2015, this might be controversial, but I think that it was a lock. Cespedes and Murphy got hot at the right time, and we went to the playoffs. Duda got hot. We, you know, went to the World Series. That's great. But that's not what I want. I don't think that's what most fans want. We want to have a time period, kind of like the 80s, where we were good for multiple years. And we knew going to the year that we had a chance to win. And then you, ha- you just don't get that feel. So I think everything that happened prior to me, I got to tell you guys, I don't really care. I don't care the next five years if we win another game. I don't care if we don't spend another dollar for the next five years. I don't care about anything. I'm just so happy and so relieved the Wolpons are getting the hell out. So I'll sacrifice. I'll cut the team. I'll do whatever the heck has to be done. I don't care. All I know is in five years, the Wolpons are gone. And I'd like to post to that because you know what? That's what's important. That's the biggest problem I've had. It's not who they're going to acquire in this offseason. I think it's all completely irrelevant. I don't think it matters. What matters the most is that the wool points are getting the hell out. And to me, that calls for celebration. Those are my two points. And no one saw it coming. And no one saw it coming. We're, I think nobody. we're in full agreement. No, nobody. I think we're in full agreement on that one. So I'm going to go to that Forbes article and read. Uh, it's not even that long of an article. Uh, So, Mr. Mike Ozanian uh, says, according to my sources, Cohen, who is currently a minority owner of the Mets, would immediately own at least a tad over 50% should the deal be approved. Why would anybody buying a majority stake in a dysfunctional business allow the folks who ran it dysfunctionally for years keep running it? Time is of the essence. Oh, I'm sure you'll still see the Wolfons around City Field in their suite and in their executive offices. But calling the shots, no way. The Mets badly need to boost attendance and revenue at City Field and make hefty debt payments on their ballpark. They also have a lot of debt on their regional sports network as an indirect result 
of the Bernie Madoff debacle. Cohen isn't going to pay more than $2 billion to sit on his hands for five years and potentially watch things get worse. So, L.I. Mike. Wow. Wow. What was my question? Sorry. There's no question. Just roll with it, bro. Well, well, yeah. Who is uh, someone said before? I'm not sure who said it uh, about he doesn't care what happens for the next five years. Well, yep. if that happens, that was Mark. That was Mr. Mark. Yep. Okay, Mark. So then, okay, let's trade to Gram right now. Cespedes, Syndergaard, whoever is good on our team, restart the farm system so we're good for five years. So when the new owner does come into effect, we can have a stacked farm system and we can spend money on players, and then we'll be stacked. That's one way to do it if you don't care about the uh, present. But then you'll have other fans bitching and complaining because they want to win now. So you really can't win in New York. Because you'll always have people bitching. So can well, I respond to that? Um, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. You could, you could respond. Sorry. So, yeah, like everyone wants to see their team win. Okay, that's not really the point. All I know is being a fan for 36 years, there's been very little to minimal celebration from my perspective having to sit through the worst team money could buy, having to sit through Brett Fabrig and you know, every you know, like July 1, having to hear about Bobby Bonilla, who will be five years, even that close, close <laughs> to paying off his stupid debt. I mean, it, it felt like, yeah, like you want to win now, but at some point, it's more than about now. It's about the future. It's about your kids growing up, and you're not wanting to go to the game with a bag over your head. I mean, sitting up sandals. I mean, the, the incompetence of the Wolpons is completely staggering. And to have can I can I also I I'm sorry to, to cut you off. No, I'm sorry to cut you off, but can can I also state that the Wilpons are so incompetent that a thing that most teams do, which is what the Bobby Bonilla thing is, is seen yeah. like it's it's literally the the least incompetent thing they've ever done. It's the yeah. least inco- it's arguably the least incompetent thing they've ever done because they were able to get <laughs> their, uh, David Wright out of it. And yet nobody cares because it looks ridiculous. That's how bad the Wilpons are. Continue with yours. Optics. Your rant. Pure optics. Yep. It's embarrassing to even mention that. Who, who wants to go to a game, game after game, year after year, and be embarrassed? You don't go to games wanting to be embarrassed. You go because you want to be proud of your team. And as a Mets fan, it's next to impossible to be proud of this damn team. But with the Wilpons out of here, you know what? That gives us all hope. That gives us what we've been looking for. That gives us what we thought was the impossible. That gives us something where we could take our kids, we could take our grandkids, we could go to opening day thinking, you know what? Damn, our team's spending money. Damn, our team's developing talent. Damn, this team has a chance. Wow, I might want to buy season tickets one day instead of feeling like a complete moron. That's what this does, and that's why today's such a great day. We have now, an 860 area code on the line right now, and we're going to bring them on right away. Hello. You All are right. here on the Mets podcast. Hi, folks. This is the Big Red Ruckus. Big Red, Big Red, Red Ruckus! <laughs> now, sir, we would love your shameless plug. Give away whatever you would like. We only know you as Big Red Ruckus so far. I don't even know your name. You are Mr. Big Red Ruckus. Well, you know, there's something to be said for anonymity. But I, before I do anything else, I want to thank all of you for doing what you're doing. I, I want to thank the living daylights out of all of you, particularly 
no more Will Palms and Mets fans united. Uh, you guys have been great, and uh, Thank you. there are Thank you. many of us who are a trillion percent behind you. I bleed orange and blue, uh, have since the early 1960s. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, these folks have, uh, you know, they've they've uh, they've eviscerated us as a fan base. Yep. Uh, I am so delighted to see them on a banana peel. Uh, I won't <laughs> believe it until I won't believe it until it happens. Uh, and uh, I certainly hope that Mr. Cohen reads the fine print better than Mr. Doubleday did. <laughs> um, but uh, you know we're, we are uh, we're thrilled, we're thrilled, and uh, I don't want to take up any of your time more than this. But thanks to all of you. Keep up the good work, and I'll see you on Twitter. Hey, yeah, thank you, Rocket. man. Thank you, Big Red Rocket. Thank thanks you. Thanks for joining us. I love you, bro. <laughs> you know, it also kind of reminds me of the McDonald's brothers. <laughs> you know, make sure, oh, yeah. make, no, sure it's not, make sure it's not just a handshake. Let's figure out, let's figure out, um, Mike, Mike, I'm going to go to our guests first. Uh, who, who is speaking? It's, it's no more Lopons, uh, Mark. I was just wondering if you started the yep. uh, special on History Channel just the other night. They were actually highlighting the McDonald's guys. That that was, no, uh, no, I, I was, I, I didn't see that, but I, I, I'm a big fan of the movie with Michael Keaton, the founder. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, I yeah. thought it was a really yeah. well done dramatization, a really hidden masterpiece that, yeah. that was most mostly on Netflix. Um, Mike, Mike, go ahead. Uh, no, just you know, very maybe as a senior member on board, uh, I'm assuming maybe too much. I'll be 53 in in, in February. You know, it's easy for us to do what we do, which is rile, rant, and rave, you know. Uh, but there is such a thing, you know, I would never dare. My son's twenty, going to be 29, you know, so I'm beyond all that crap. But never would I have polluted his mind as a 10-year-old with all the crap that's inside of me and my rage against the Wilpons. Uh, even though he evolved into a Yankee <laughs> fan. But I wouldn't do that. But I wouldn't do that, you understand? Growing up, my mm-hmm. father was a Yankee fan. I was a, a Met fan. And, and the intriguing thing about the 74 and 75 season is that both teams played at Shea Stadium. So we practically lived there. Him for the Yankees, mm-hmm. me for the Mets. Uh, you know, there was never any Yankee in me, per se. Uh, but I respected him at the Yankee games. He respected me at the Met games. He loved watching Tom Seaver. And I found my little personal favorites as well. Uh, and, and what about the moment when you know, and uh, you know, when grandparents and parents and grandchildren want to go to a game together? Let's not forget about our love of baseball. You know, the worse things get in Flushing, the more I turn away from them and ignore them, and 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 put them in the deepest recesses of my mind. And the more baseball as a whole pisses me off, or at least the modern game, the farther back in history I go. And if I can't watch, if I can't stand what I'm watching on TV, I'll read a book about the 1870s. You understand? Until, you know, whatever crap is blowing in the breeze uh, goes through town. Uh, We love this game. And protesting, Mm -hmm. I'm on board with that. I would love for nobody to show up at the ballpark. 
But the fact of the matter is, the studies have been made, and it's been you know printed in, in tabloids and magazines that they don't necessarily care how many people show up at the ball games because they're going to maximize the people who show up and take all their money. That was a, a point Rich made last week. Uh, and it's confirmed because they've written about that. Now, if you really, really want to hurt them, don't watch TV. That's what kills them because it kills the ratings, and then they don't get the money for the mm-hmm. commercial revenue, blah, blah, blah. You know mm-hmm. the trickle-down effect. But if you really want to hurt them, don't watch the games on TV. Yep. That's how you really hurt them. But I'm down with protests. You know, that's the American way. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, and protesting was never meant to be pretty. It's always meant to be uncomfortable and sometimes ugly. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm cool with all that. But let us not so lose wait a focus. second. Wait a second. We love this game. And no matter what they say about the NBA and the NFL, uh, you know, this is still a national pastime. And they may not be America's favorite sport anymore, but it's still a pastime in how we spend a whole summer, spring, summer, and fall, you know, and. and yeah, sometimes if I don't, if I used to go to twenty games, I'll not go to twelve games in rage. But there's still going to be five games I sneak into just for the love of the game. To borrow a quote. So here's my question to follow up, Mike: um, Is there still nothing like? Is it all mostly TV ad revenue and nothing in the peerless boiler broadcast booth? <laughs> Touche. But you know that's what they say. If you really want to hurt them in the pocket, you do it on the TV by not watching the game on TV. That's how you really hurt them. You know, I wouldn't have believed. I wouldn't and, have believed and you that know, and and we're we're about. Fi- I I don't know how I'm going to make 15 minutes uh, uh, relevant right now, but you could say 15 minutes, uh, 15. Percent <laughs> by switching to anyway. Um, so uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, we're almost to an hour of a Metsian podcast, and, and we're so thankful for you uh, listening out there on uh, the internet airwaves. Um, I, I want to circle back. You know, now all of this was on the heels of some hot stove news that kind of disappointed us. This is a good place to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about whether, whether uh, Cohen was going to spend money right away or not. Um, the same day, so, so things got leaked about Rick Porcello the same day that Zach Wheeler signed with the Philadelphia Phillies, the same day that the Wilpon news came out. These are how the sources fell. So, L.I. Mike, with everything that we've talked about, as opposed to as to what this all means now, um, how do you think this off season's going to go? I believe the winter meetings are happening next week. I I, I don't know whether Brody must be ecstatic or not, but let's start with Li Mike, and then we're going to go to the uh, the Mets fan United guys, and I'll let you know who in a second. Li Mike. It all depends how fast that deal gets done. Is if that Forbes article? article is correct, and he instantly owns 51% of the Mets, he's going to give money in. Maybe that's why Brody hasn't spent anything since the world runs, told him not to yet. But yet again, is Zach Wheeler really worth $115 uh, million in total? Not in my opinion. But it's all the Wilpons probably right now telling Brody, don't spend anything until this deal gets done. Because if the deal gets done, they're going to have money to spend, most likely, if that four brother is correct. 
But keep in mind, the skill can still fall apart. It's happened in the past with all four teams before being sold. Skill can fall apart. So everyone, don't get your hopes up yet. I mean, let's just remember that World Series of Poker dude, Mark, that they they trotted out there very publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Like, my take is that um, I don't see the Mets spending really anything this offseason. Um, I can't see the deal getting finalized and done. Um, I think we're going to have more of the same right away. Uh, perhaps as we go, maybe about a trade deadline in July, perhaps we'll start seeing a difference. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think it's going to be the exact same thing that we're used to. I mean, to me, I mean, on the short term, when looking at it for this year, um, to me, I mean, I think a guy that makes sense and for a fourth outfielder, I wouldn't be trading Nimmo. Uh, I would have him platooning with, with Pilar and I'd sign Pilar. Um, you know, you got to pitch, you have to put a team around your strengths. And unquestionably, our strength is starting pitching. Okay, does Pilar hit a ton? No. But the reason we didn't make the playoffs last year had nothing to do with our offense, really. Um, we had to be better defensively. And I mean, John Batankis, I think, is an absolute no brainer. And I mean, to hear him going to the Phillies, in addition to a Wheeler or a D.D. Gregorius, I mean, and, and Girardi, who should really be in our manager, um, really would make me even more sick. Um, and we can't really afford to have our division even that much more loaded. Um, so, I mean, those are really the moves that we should make. Blake Trinan, obviously, another guy. Really, those are my three guys that I would go really hard after uh, because we've got to improve our two things that we need to do most, our bullpen and play to our strength, which is our rotation with having some defense out there. And defense wins championships, pitching we need, and defense strung up the middle. So that's really what I would do. Uh, Corey, would you be okay with Brody continuing to be, quote, end quote, end quote, creative um, in, like, the you know, for instance, the Marte scenario? Um, I, I think it really depends. Maybe the Marte scenario, depending on what he gives up. But what I saw the other day about Hader and Braun, that just reminds oh. me of Cano and Diaz. I mean, you got Braun, who I'm going to quote Mark here, has a, a, a PED lace contract, and then mm-hmm. you have Hader. And they're talking about giving up Jeff McNeil, J.D. No. Davis. I mean, essentially, no. core players and prospects or and or prospects. You know what I mean? So, I I think if he goes that route, I think we'll be the same in the same position as we were with the Cano Diaz trade, and then obviously worse because then we have two horrific contracts on our on our book again. Um, I think that he's going to have to be creative unless. Unless they give, unless we have some money to spend, obviously he's going to have to be somewhat creative. But I kind of agree with Mark. Um, you know, just if if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, just do it. You know, with, just do it in free agency. You know, I mean, just spend a little bit of money, I guess. You know, and I, I'm just really nervous about him and making trade creative trades. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. I mean, it's it. I I guess it's just not trusting from last year, but I mean, and and also that's not all on him because he has to be creative because they're not opening their checkbooks for him. So 
I mean, you know, it's a it's a really hard situation. I'm sure it's it's really hard for him in his situation, um, being the GM to to have to deal with the Will Ponds and have to deal with how much money he's spending and you know fans getting pissed at him when he can't really even do anything. You know, I just um, I mean, I guess you know I would I would try for Marte if they can because I think a defensive center fielder. Is is definitely a priority, but um, I I wouldn't go nuts. I definitely wouldn't go nuts. <laughs> and Corey, I Mike. second what you're saying. I wouldn't go nuts from either. But at the same time, though, I think that it's important that um, we keep our farm system, the little bit left that we have, intact. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, Corey, you know that I'm not. I mean, I'm not a rah rah guy about Ernie Van Wagner in the least bit. I actually kind of want to thank right, him right. for doing such a terrible job, because if 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 he did a better job, we wouldn't have Larry. We wouldn't have Sanilia. We wouldn't have Kinnell, right. We wouldn't have all these bad contracts that are going to prevent him from even screwing this team up even more because of the lack of payroll flexibility. And to your point, Corey, I don't think that we can get Braun. I don't think we can get Hater because do people really want Jed and Larry as a witness protection program? I mean, the dude has like four <laughs> well, like, That's what I mean. Are you going to do like, like a McNeil, McNeil Dom Smith, and, you know, throw in like Familia and Jed Lowry? You know, are you going to do that yeah, for like, Hater and Braun? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, no one I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch J.D. Davis or McNeil. I mean, I know you right, think no, I, I, I think J.D. Davis and McNeil are part of the heart of the of the team. And and, and Mike, I'll go to go to you on this one. You know what they're saying uh, about it. You know Brody was forced to be creative. Uh, yeah, Brody did all those moves, but he's also a player. He was a, he's a former player agent. You know, he's probably all about mm-hmm. giving all the players money, right? <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, who knows? I, I, I'm not going to try to read into his mind. All I know, well, you know my position with Brody. So, uh, but I'll only say this: Look, Mets are in a position where they need to add players, and you can only add players by a trading more prospects or spending money. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise, if you're not adding. You're just playing three card monkey again. Yep. You know. Same money, different player. Revolving Such a hard situation. There's, there's no, there's no flexibility. You know, it's just, it's either yeah. you know, you get screwed in a trade, or like you said, you just, you just, they're not going to bite the bullet and go over luxury tax. I mean, unless this deal yeah. magically gets done, which I don't see, and he shells out money for some, some free agents. I don't see, I don't see them going over. So. What are you left with then? I mean, they're going to dump. I, I, I predict they're going to dump some salaries for sure. Uh, I, well, I, that, I mean, they got a they got an onerous arbitration bill coming up ahead, you know. So we have to we yeah. have to factor that in as well. And you know, yeah. the hands are tired. They only got so much cash. It is. Yeah, no, it's it's really hard to even predict or or say what you want because I mean, they've kind of strapped them. They have strapped themselves. That, is, there any, is there any indication? Is there any indication as to when this deal is going to get done, in terms of the, the sale, the fifty-one, the fifty-one percent like people keep talking about? It sounds like it's what is what's uh, five years, right? Well, no, that's what like they were, you just read that article, right? That said he's looking right away to get fifty-one percent. Well, it said that that as soon as the deal gets approved by Major League Baseball, he gets fifty-one percent of the team. 
Right. So he has to get approved. He has to get vetted by Major League Baseball to be majority yeah. holder. And and I believe it was Mr. Mike. I believe yeah. it was Mr. Mike Lacoant who said that he was already trying to buy the Dodgers and he's been vetted. So they're familiar. Well, he owned eight percent. Pessy owned eight percent. So that's a minority right. share. So would would you need that's right. a different uh, that's a different thing, right? You would need to get vetted for uh, a majority the, share. The stipulation oh, was if he problems, would have the stipulation that when he purchased the shares in the Mets, he, that process with the Dodgers was still ongoing. If his bid would have won for the Dodgers, he would have had to have divested himself from the Mets. So he was okay. right. they had already, he had already been vetted. He was already set. And in the process. Are you telling me, Mike, we couldn't have had like a Baltimore Orioles, Brooklyn Dodgers thing going on here? Say what? Say again? I said you're saying that we couldn't have had a Brooklyn Dodgers, Baltimore Orioles thing going on here. No, not again. (laughs) (laughs) See, everybody, it's a little out of context, but Mike just said he keeps going backwards when he gets frustrated. So he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And to bring you all privy, at some point, the same, and and, and I believe they were, um, there were separate leagues, correct, Mike? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again? Separate leagues? Were they They separate separate leagues? Right. The The National League and the American League did indeed uh, operate as independent and separate leagues, yep. uh, all the way up until uh, bug, uh, bug, yeah, bug selling. Right, but we're talking, no, but we're talking 1899, and and a team, and and a piece, a piece of of the Baltimore Orioles, or, or I'm sorry, a, uh, what, what, how did it go? Did so, somebody purchase the Brooklyn Dodgers through the Baltimore Orioles and transferred a lot of the players mm-hmm. from the, the, Ned, the Baltimore Orioles? And- Ned. Ned Hanlon was involved in that. The Orioles effectively folded. That's the way the books put it down. But they brought in excess, I think, of 12 or 13 players up from Baltimore to uh, reform the Dodgers. Not reform them, but, you know, uh, rearm them. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, just a little history reference uh, for all you folks out there who may be paying attention to that stuff. (laughs) And I'm trying (laughs) – and you know what? It's like – both the show about the Brooklyn Dodgers that I'm trying to eventually make uh, is for the people who know everything and also for the people who know absolutely nothing about the history. So I look forward to that quote-unquote shameless plug. So we are an hour and ten minutes into this show, basically officially, and um, I, I think like there, there's so many places – we could keep talking about the Mets, we could keep talking about the well ponds, but we've really exhausted, you know, we've gotten to the point that, like, people did point out this could fall apart as much as we were just all with the, the batons, tossed them in, in the air the first time we heard this. But <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll, I'll finish with this, Mike, this Mike, Mike before, you, before you throw it out to me, and I'll throw it over to you first, I wanted to say that this feels more concrete. Go ahead, Mike. What the whole transaction with Cohen? It feels more concrete. Is yeah, that just, what you're just the information. The information versus like things that are like the the history uh, of of, of, of see, other because, times. 
because of 2012, none of it surprises me. Uh, you know me. I've been waiting for it. I've been home sitting, waiting, looking at the telephone, waiting for it to ring. Today it finally rang. You know, I, I just like the Will Pond said about the Yankees, their business model isn't sustainable. No, the Mets' business model wasn't sustainable. And that's what I've yeah. been waiting. I've been waiting for this ticking time bomb to finally go off. And today it finally did. Sim, you knew. We've talked about this through numerous podcasts. I didn't think they were going to be able to be sustainable. I never thought for a second they were going to be able to bail themselves out of this. And, you know, that has come to pass. Uh, anyway, uh Shit, put me back on course, man. What was your original question? No, I, 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 you, I think that was basically it. I think you went in the proper okay. direction. <laughs> yeah, but I think I wanted to say something. I think I wanted to say something. L.I. Mike. Anyway. L.I. Mike. So, yeah, I don't think this is going to fall through like some other deals do, because, like you said, it seems more concrete, but I'm not getting my hopes up until I see that uh, – I'm going to say uh, Penn signed that paper with uh, Cohen's uh, signature on it. I believe it's going to go through. Touche. If, that was, if, that, if that's what you were asking me, Sam. I do believe this is going to go through. I just think there's a lot of red tape that they got to get through first. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, what do you think, Mark? I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys that it's not a done deal until it's signed for. But really, I mean, guys, just for the fact that um, – even the news came out that the, that the Wilpons would be even this open to wanting to divest themselves from the organization, from the franchise. I think right there, that's, that's almost a win even to know that. Uh, because, I mean, yeah. I know that Corey and I talked about it, that we never thought we'd see the day um, where mm-hmm. the Wilpons, where it'd be out of the Wilpon family. I mean, because, yeah, there's Jeff, and then he has also, I'm assuming, an equally incompetent son as well, uh, which is why we drafted his uh, you know, son's you know, catcher buddy in this past year's draft um, as a favor. So, I mean, almost reminiscent of Mike Piazza. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so, fuck, just for the fact that the Wolfpons are, are open to this, uh, to make almost close for a celebration, but, yeah, we all want to go final. We'll believe it when we see it. But, um, you know, some positive news like this, I mean, on a day where, you know, Zach Wheeler, you know, like, leads the team, and, you know, we see Cole Hamels going to the Braves, and I don't think that it's ironic or it's a coincidence that this news broke right after Zach Wheeler um, signed with the Braves. I mean, I think the Mets are pretty smart, and they're very aware of public perception. Um, and like Sandy Aldridge used to always say, the optics um, of today just weren't going to be good. Um, so I think instead of breaking it in a week from now or like whenever, um, someone knew someone who knew someone of Tiki Barber, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I can't believe that Tiki Barber was the one to insight. Um, I don't think it's of ironic, so. Yeah, of all people. So, I'll answer your question. See, I, I, I didn't see the actual tweet, but I did see people talk about that, about, like, people are like, joking I'll that Tiki Barber was the one. So, 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 can somebody, Corey, if, like, go wherever yeah. you want after you explain to me what Tiki Barber has to do explain to me and anybody listening out there that doesn't know what he barber has to do with this news what he has to do or what or what happens what it, or what he said what do you mean no like how, how tiki barber is linked to this information about the new york Mets ownership oh i mean it was like a i'd say a minute 30 maybe even less a clip and uh he was talking, and he had mumbled something, I guess, walking in the door about um, the Mets selling, and uh, 
what's I'm drawing a blank on on his uh, partner that he's that he's on the show with. Anyone? Brendan Turney. Yeah, Tierney, and he was he was he hounded him. He was hounding him. He was like, "Well, what's the deal, man? Are the Mets selling the team?" And he's like, "I heard from a little birdie, who knows someone who knows someone else that they may be selling the team." And uh, and then he asked him, "Is the person important?" And he said, "Yes, very." And he said, "Deep pockets." And he's like, "Yes." And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. Um, wow! I actually and talked this, to, is just, this is like uh, CBS Sports from, Radio. Yeah, that's it's on their, uh, you know, Tiki and Tierney. They have like a show, um, which it's such it's a like random a thing that it came from that show. But I, um, yeah. I'm uh, Gio from the fans yeah. follows Mets uh, fans United, and I messaged him immediately, and I was like, "What do you think about this?" And he responded, "Wow, I'll, I'm I'm going to look into it." So in the beginning of his show this morning, he had said, um, "I received a, a private message last night." And with this with this information, and pretty much the whole I don't know if anyone heard the morning show um, on the fans this morning, but he was like trying to get Kiki Barber or Tierney to come on the show, and they both refused. And like he was like pissed about it, you know. He was like, it, "You say that you can't say this, and then and then not come on the show." But I, I my my thing is, I think I don't think Tiki was supposed to say that. I think that uh, that was supposed to be some hush-hush information. <laughs> so wait a second. Yeah. Tiki, Tiki said this yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, last night. Wow. Like, wow. Yeah, like 8 oh, o'clock God. or something like that. I, I'll send you the link. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's just like – it's a short clip, but I yeah. – and then, I mean, I was just like – I didn't think there was even so, a so possible did Gio, did Gio say Did Gio say anything about it on the show this morning? Yeah, I mean, I was, he was talking about it all, almost the whole show, and he was he was texting Kiki and uh, Tierney, and they were, like, just kept giving them excuses why they can't go on the show, and he was kind of, like, bashing them. He's like, you know, it's kind of fucked up that you – I'm sorry for my language, but that you would say okay. no, no, something yeah, like yeah, that. Okay. And, well, I, I, they get away with that because of their, they're in the same company together. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. So, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine type deal. Where, like, he was like, that's really messed up. That's what makes me think, you know, that was never supposed to get leaked, which, I mean, I don't know if they did it for quite well, so they get their show a little, little well, bit more. It's, like, what, it's the narrative, man. It's fucking. It's pure Kiki. No, Kiki screwed up, bottom line. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, I'm saying, like, the funny thing is, the general reaction was, yeah, okay, Kiki, like, whatever. Like, because Kiki, he used to work for the WFAN, but now Intercom, but, like, he really didn't have much credibility. And what he did to the Giants, that whole thing, which we don't have to get into, but, like, just, like, coming from Kiki, didn't really have that, like, of, like, credibility. And then the guy's right the entire time. And, like, it, to me, yeah. it's the most, most amazing thing that, like, he was kind of on the forefront of, like, breaking the story. Tiki Barber, of all people. It's, you know, yeah, you're right. But it, it, sound, it sounds like it's, like, pure Tiki that he shouldn't have been saying yeah. that. <laughs> well, the spotlight always has he to be Tiki Barber. in trouble though, you know? for it, too. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the kind of player that Tiki Barber was, you know, is that, look, like, he wants him to spotlight, and if he knows something that can make him look good, like, oh, like, Tiki yeah, Barber, yep. you know, and so it doesn't yeah, really surprise yeah. me that he broke it. I'm just surprised that he actually knew someone who knew someone to tell him 
that this is going to happen. I know. I mean, yeah, it's great. I wonder if it was Colin himself. <laughs> you never know. I, mean, I don't know, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, Luke, oh, hey. I, th- I think he, I, I mean, think he, said, uh, he said he said on the he said somebody with deep pockets that could afford to buy the Mets and Tiki was like absolutely like you know definitely. Yeah. That animal, <laughs> you know, you really do. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I posted something yesterday, like just I I was like you know I'm not, I can't even imagine if this was true. Like I I don't even know how I would feel if this was to actually happen. Not believing that this was even a little bit, a little bit going to come to fruition, you know, but I, I, so, so I it's, it's the crazy still, part is that I didn't, a little bit in shock. I didn't know that this was out in the ether when all the Braves Hamels story and the, the Wheeler story was coming out. I didn't know this was already kind of out there. Uh, I, yeah. I thought this broke later in the day, but apparently I mean, it uh, did. It, 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 it did break later in the day. Like that's what um, but but that's what I'm saying. It started with that little tiny comment from Tiki, and everyone was like, you know, thinking he and was. Nobody ran with it until until. <laughs> who was the first right. person? Who was the first person to officially? Uh, um, I'll, uh, it, it, I'll go first with. Rosenthal was the first person to tweet it out. Yes, and he he um gets his information directly from Jeff Wilpon, and that is actually. Um, per someone who used to work with the Mets and closely with Ken Rosenthal, yeah. he gets his information directly from Jeff. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Jeff Casey, I've seen, there's, there's actually text messages I have in my phone, private text messages that the guy leaked that, that used to work for the Mets, and uh they're actually with Jeff Payson, and it's Jeff saying that he's sour because he gets his information directly from the source, Jeff Wilpon, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and that he's a little bit sour so, from it. So it kind of makes sense so he that did, on he all that stories, he's from, usually first. He gets his information from Jeff Wilpon, but Jeff Wilpon might be the reason why, like, the entire family was like, yeah, we need to do something about this. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe so. Mike Puma, I I very much trust Mike Puma. I very much trust Mike Puma. Mike Puma has been been with this team for a very long time. He has gone through the ups and downs. I believe Mm -hmm. when, when, when Mike Puma says, this is what my sources are saying about the way everything is operating, this is all very interesting, and and what I really hope is that one day this book can be written, this like tell all Wilpon's book, like a a really true <laughs> e true Hollywood e true Metzian story about what happened during this period. That is I, really I, what I, I want. That book, I, I'll be the first one to buy a copy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yep. and somebody's going to do it, but everybody has been sitting on it. There's not one thing really written about any of this era except for Pedro Martinez. Is that correct, Mike? Does yep. that make sense? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, um, uh, you know, good good fundies has that giant, um, yeah, that yeah. giant, you know, book of of all the corruption and meddling throughout, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the closest it gets. You know, that's. That's like all yeah. the reports, any everything, you know. That's as close as it gets to having a book of of what 
has gone on through the years, you know, because that Pedro Martinez story, when it leaked from Pedro from his book, um, I mean, a, a lot of us who had already read through that hour-long, um, basically, book of articles and, you know, whatever, that was in there, and that was like a big thing, but nobody knew about it. It kind of got swept under the rug and didn't come out again until Pedro's book was written. And this is something that was reported on years ago. I mean, I'm talking, like, what was it, I think 2004 or 2007, something like that. It was reported on, and it was just swept under the rug. Right. See, exactly. but I think that just brings back uh, the whole incompetence point. You know, is the entire organization's incompetent? So you have someone like this who grew up a Mets fan, who has all this money, he could spend a lot of money to cover up mistakes, but he's running his own corporation now. Like, and just from, I guess, going on his website and whatnot, but like, it, it looks like the guy knows how to actually run an organization. And that's the key part of that is surrounding yourself around good people and not necessarily around, like, you know, Jeff and Fred together. Um, and hiring, like, and having not a forward-looking, but more of a backward-looking approach, because the Mets are always one step behind. Right. So I think that it's really important yeah. um, that this guy has ran a successful business for a very long time. Yeah, he's had his hiccups, which, quite frankly, I don't think is that big of a deal. Um, so, I mean, to me, I think it, it is a lot – I can't even tell you guys how excited I am today. Like, I'm trying to stutter over my words because – <laughs> the excitement of of yeah, the money's great, but just the, the the lasting stock and the confidence. I keep going back to it because like yep. you know this Pedro Martinez story, it's just incompetence. The the organization is just loaded, and everywhere you look is incompetency. I mean to evering you know even like firing you know that woman when she was pregnant. I mean who does that? Oh I mean, gosh! Oh my god! I mean, so this is listen. I was frolicking. I was frolicking through Times Square. I was frolicking through Times Square, going, "When you're a Met, you're a Met all the way from your first shade game till your last dying day." So that's. <laughs> I know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> I was in my office today, and I was trying my best to not just like run around on my torn ACL <laughs> and and not yell and scream as as other people are meeting with clients. Like, I know what to do. And then Corey texted me. I'm like, bro, like, let's talk, like, right now. And him and I just had a conversation about it. Because, uh, like, no one else really, uh, like, unless you're a diehard, huge Mets fan, I don't think that, like, the, 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 co- the common or, like, uh, when we're a good type of Mets fan, I'll root for you, you know, that kind of fan, really understands the importance and the yeah. significance of what today really is. It's like, oh, great, you know, the Mets Definitely. are going to sell their team. It's like, whatever. But it's not a whatever. It's so no, monumental it's of where things can go. And it's amazing. It's something we like, never I mean, thought we yeah. would say. Right. <clears throat> and now we need to come up with a new Twitter handle in you know, the next five years. So i got some time. It's, it's very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see the way the winter meetings are handled next week. I, haven't, I hadn't even honed in on exactly when the dates were. So I'm going to do that as we start the wrap-up. You have been listening to a Metzian podcast, and we are so thankful that you have. What an eventful night. Guys, uh, it, it has been a spectacular podcast. This is, this is one of our best. Uh, shout-out. I have yet to give a shout-out to uh, our brother-in-arms, Mr. Rich Spirago, who is on uh, a business duty as we speak. 
uh, uh, we got to give a shout out because we, we're going to have to get him on the podcast ASAP and uh, uh, probably something with like a winter meeting special or whatnot. But as I look that up, let us go. Uh, first off, let's go to our uh, buddies at Mets Fan United. We got Mark and Corey uh, here. And um, let's start with you, Mark. Uh, before we get into the way we wrap this up, we want to thank you for joining us for the first time ever on an NCN podcast. And uh, 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 we want to let you give yet another shameless plug. Let us let everybody out there know where they can find you, uh, where they can tweet at you, uh, uh, and anything else you want to uh, bring up. Thank you. Um, you can find me at No More Wilpons on Twitter. That's N O M O R E Wilpons. Um, I. If you have anything at all in your profile that has to do with the Mets, whether it's a picture or just a word of Mets or anything, I will follow you back. Um, you know, Corey and I have been uh, working on Mets Fan United now, uh, you know, together for, uh, what now, Corey, like two, three years? Yeah, um, yeah about, about two years, two years. And it's been definitely a process. <clears throat> um, something that we've been trying to do is not easy. Um, so it really requires a lot of followers, and even with, um, you know, new ownership in place, you know, I think that the Mets uh, fans uh, want from the feedback we've heard and not only deserve uh, to have a seat at the table, to be able to have a voice, and, you know, we want to be able to have uh, to help provide fans with that voice. So you can find me on No More Wolpons. That is my personal Twitter page. Uh, where I voice my own personal opinions and thoughts, and Mets Fans United is our uh, is our group page where um, you know the fight for the cause or the organization of being able to form uh, that similar to a to a labor union could take place. Well said. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Corey, thank you. Take it away with your shameless. Yeah, plug. I just wanted to uh, to add, you know. The thing with Mets fans United, it's kind of like what Mark said, you know, as long as you have something Mets or whatever, you get followed back. And not only that, but we want to educate people on what is going on. Because as Mark mentioned earlier, a lot of people, your casual Mets fan, let's use that word, casual Mets fan, but still, you could still be a diehard and not actually know what's going on inside of the front office, how, how much corruption there really is, you know, I mean, it's just, it's staggering. I mean, how, how incompetent um, the team is run. And I just wanted to say that, you know, today means a whole lot. I, I mean, I, whether, and even whether we had something to do with it or not, I just, I'm glad that it's fine. Something is finally being done. And I just hope that we could just keep on going and, you know, um, from there, just keep on educating people. And if something does, God forbid, fall through, keep doing what we're doing and just, you know, keep getting people to open their eyes about what's, what's happening inside the organization. That's awesome, man. So well said, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, I, I want to send it over to L.I. Mike. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him. Um, he had to go uh, because of an emergency. Um, so uh, thank you so much, L.I. Mike. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm so happy he was able to give his uh, opinion. 
And you guys can find him at li underscore weather, I believe, is the full uh, li underscore weather 516 uh, to find L- Long Island Mike on Twitter. Um, and let's uh, let's go up to our uh, co- one of our co-conspirators, Mr. Mike LeColon. Uh, first of all, give us your shameless plug and take us out with the last word, uh, the first last word. Shameless plug, Brooklyn Trolley Blogger. Think about it. It's a spin on the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers. That's my blog. Check it out. That's where I give my opinions about all the locals. Uh, it's it's funny. I'm a Will Pond antagonist. I have my blog as proof. You know, Pond and Son of Pond have been no friends of mine. But, Sam, before the show even started, you said to me, you know what? The Mets are going to win the World Series by accident. I laughed and I agreed with you. I was like, yeah, that would be very Metsian of them. Uh, I don't know what compels <laughs> me to do this from time to time, you know, but ponder this, if you will. You know, in 2006, what if Pedro Martinez and El Duque don't get hurt just before the playoffs start? And what if Dawn Sanchez doesn't get hungry in the middle of the night and we don't have to deal with Aaron Hyland? The what if of 2006, you know, let's say we win a World Series that year. Uh, I dare say the narrative would be somewhat more empathetic. I'm not going to say sympathetic, but I will say empathetic to what might have transpired after the fact, because nevertheless, Madoff was still sure to happen. But I just want to say this. There's always a small part of me that comes out at least once a year. I guess this is the holiday holiday season, so this is it. You know, the Wilpons are from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. He went to high school in my neighborhood, you know, way back when. Uh, And and the fact that the Mets have been a family-owned operation versus some cold-hearted corporation like – say the Yankees were once by CBS or, or the Cubs with the Tribune or any other, you know, uh, professional team owned by some just cold-blooded corporation who was just looking to, you know, go by the numbers and act accordingly or, or, or not. Uh, there's always been a little bit of appreciation on my part that the Mets have always been a family-run organization. You know, from the Pacers, yeah, the Doubleday Will Punk Partnership, and I still say, you know, the Mets baseball acumen, the check and balance, and and the conviction of this organization left with Nelson Doubleday. And he called it, you know, run for the hills, boys. This guy's going to run this organization <laughs> into the ground. And the prophecy has mm-hmm. pretty much come true. Yeah. But, you know, again... There's a small part of me, and I guess because I'm from Brooklyn, and, you know, we, we do kind of wear that, born and bred, you know, we do kind of wear that as a red badge of courage. Not afraid to admit that. Uh, and I have a, a an appreciation for the Wilpons that I will admit. And this is coming from the guy who probably has the only negative speaking brick in all of City Field. Sam can attest to it. What does it say, Sam? 77 still hurts. 1977 wow. still hurts. Jeez. That's my brick at City Field. So you That's know I'm a real apologist, even though he had nothing to do with it. 
still. Yeah. Uh, you know, they blew the Hall of Fame in, in opening City Field. They, they blew a lot of things. And, and, and Sam always says it, you know, their, their lack of attention to detail, this, that, and the other. But here we are, December 4th. Let the holiday season fall upon us. Uh, I'm, I'm Thanksgiving just passed. I'm thankful that we, we've been a family-run organization. You know, Uncle Saul, Jesse, and, and Papa Fred. There's something a little bit endearing about that. There is. Uh, I just want to leave it at that. All right, they're bad owners, man, and they're just not good baseball people. And I, and you know what? And I can almost swear that they, if if they had any self awareness, that they would have fired <laughs> a qualified president of baseball operations to handle a baseball operations. B separate them from baseball operations, and C, make sure all their financial needs were met. Because that's what baseball presidents of operations do. And let that man hire a GM and, and, you know, that chain of command. And had they done that, had they been self-aware, and not so full of themselves, the narrative today regarding the Wilpons would be very different. Sorry for a very long last word. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's round it out. Our last word. Uh, we like to chime in with uh, either a word or a phrase that we we kind of wraps up our what we're feeling at the end of this show. So we're going to start with you, Mark. What is your last word? Uh, plain and simple. Celebration. Uh, I'm not going to sing, but back in the 80s after a Mets victory, they used to always play that song. Celebration time. Come on. That's what I'm thinking tonight. That was a little, that was a singing. You sang. Yeah, that was a song. A little bit. You sang. I'm going like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give, I'm gonna give it my Larry David on and say that was a sing. Okay. Nonetheless. <laughs> 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 but continue. Uh, no, that's plain, simple, simply said, very sweet. <laughs> Time to celebrate. Pop a bottle. Whether or not the writing is on, uh, you know what, you know, like whether or not the writing is, you know, the signature gets signed or not. Uh, it's just a great day knowing that it could happen. That's it. Uh, I'm going to continue the singing. Uh, before I pass it on to Corey, it's beginning to look <laughs> a lot like Christmas. Corey, what is your last word? I say go to bed happy tonight. Um, there's a lot of Metsians that don't even know the Mets without the Wilpons. So let's hope that this deal goes smoothly and that we have something to be proud of in the very near future. And have Twas the night before Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Twas the night before or Christmas. Hanukkah, or a holiday or Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. <laughs> well, I'll Hanukkah. celebrate what the Wilpons celebrate, which is Hanukkah. But I will say, Twas the night yep. before Christmas <laughs> and all through the house. The Wilpons were selling, especially the Metzian house. 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think my last word was twas that. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm going to, since I was hosting, pass it on to my co-conspirator after saying thank you again to Mets Fans United, Corey and Mark, for joining us tonight. I'm going to pass it on to Mr. Mike LaCollon. How do we finish this show? On behalf of everyone here and Rich who's not, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's Let's go go Mets. Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Thank you all for joining us. Shout out to Big Red Ruckus. Thanks for joining us. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. Take care. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.